You're listening to the Side Hustle Gal podcast with your hosts, Danny Fountain and Caitlin Allen. Hello, and welcome back to the Side Hustle Gal podcast. Today's guest is from a group we haven't talked about yet, which is the Create and Cultivate Insiders group. If you've ever been to a Create and Cultivate conference, um, you can join Create and Cultivate Insiders, which is basically um, a great small group of those of us that super love Create and Cultivate and want to have deeper relationships. There's monthly mentoring and all of that good stuff, but that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> I'm so excited to introduce Lauren Marsicano to you. Lauren, Woo-hoo! thank you so much for being here and please tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, thank you so much for having me here, Danny. I'm so excited. Create Cultivate is an amazing organization. I love the online group, which is how we connected. And, and probably like you and like many people listening, I'm just a part of so many different women's empowerment groups online. So I love the connections that we build, which is fantastic. So my name is Lauren Marsicano. I'm an attorney. I own my own law firm but I also have a side hustle. So the side hustle actually is uh, Networking Maverick LLC, which is a women's empowerment group. It's online. It also now has live events in Miami and South Florida. So if you're in the area, you know, you feel free to come out to any of my monthly networking events and workshops, but it all started because of my main business. So for, I don't know, since I was 14 years old, I wanted to be a lawyer, right? After I wasn't going to be an actress or a model. Uh, I decided, well, you know, lawyer sounds really good. I love debating. And so my whole path uh, until about two years ago was just being a lawyer. I did, you know, the undergrad, uh, international business and finance. I went to University of Miami School of Law. I studied law at Oxford University under a fellowship and became a lawyer. So yay. But I was not expecting to feel unfulfilled. Like I became a lawyer, passed the bar exam, and about a year and a half into it, got my quote unquote dream job. You know, the six figure lawyer working for multinational corporations, billion dollar corporations, but I still wasn't happy. And I had two friends of mine that I sat down with and they're like, Lauren, we know exactly what the problem is. You got to start your own business. Right. And I think that happens to a lot of people. And I was like, no, 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 my own business. I'm not 60 years old. You know, like that's, that's when you start a law business. But I launched my law firm and we ended up making six figures in our first year from, and I attribute it all to networking and connections. But I love being a lawyer and I love what I can do with my lawyer hat on. But there's so much I'm restricted from doing as Lauren Marsicano Esquire right? That Esquire puts so many restrictions on how much I can help the business owners that come to me because that's who I serve. I'm a business attorney. And so I was at these networking events and people were like, how did you make money your first year? How, you know, most law firms fail. Not, you know, not only do they not make six figures, they're gone. And, and people go, you know, back to their original uh, hustle, whatever, you know, whatever law firm they were in. And it was a lot of women. It was a lot of women at these events telling me this. And those were the people I like serving the most anyway as a lawyer. And so I was like, you know what, I need to start another business. And it can just be online. It started just online. It's, it was YouTube videos, and it was Instagram posts, and it was live streams, and all these different things, just giving women specifically. So I always, my, my, Tagline is no matter whether I'm with the law firm or with Networking Maverick, I'm helping female entrepreneurs build and protect their queendoms. So I call it queendoms, right? Because we all have our queendoms, right? Um, And so Networking Maverick became my side hustle because of my main hustle, 
And so that's where, that's where I'm at now, helping women on both sides. Now it's offline and I do live events monthly. I partnered with a group called Startup Sisters USA. That's, um, you know, in Tampa, Atlanta. I think they've launched a couple other cities now and I'm the Miami president. And so Networking Maverick partners with Startup Sister to bring these uh, live events and bring women together locally, which I love. And that's my, that's my background. (laughs) (laughs) No, I love that so much. I can relate. I first told my grandma that I was going to be a lawyer when I was three. Caitlin also is super into politics. (laughs) I planned on being a lawyer too. Uh, Oh, um, Neither of us went to law school, Um, (laughs) but we both, we both have a friend, our friend, Sam, uh, went to law school, graduated with a law degree, became an attorney, um, but she knew after her first year of law school that the mm. entrepreneurship was the path for her. Um, so Sam's dream one day is to start a scholarship that's the like oh fuck scholarship that would pay. <laughs> well, it would, like if you decide after your first after like one L that you don't want to be a lawyer anymore, this scholarship would like pay off your one L loans. Oh, and, like, that's free so you. Good. Yeah. <laughs> free you're free yeah um yeah. so all of so all of this to say I love your story for those in the audience that are listening I mean this girl's a badass top 40 under 40 lawyer in the nation <laughs> Oxford who doesn't dream of studying abroad at Oxford all the things um so all, I wanna, all the things <laughs> I I want to dive in and I'm gonna ask the obvious question first because I think it's also a good question to ask. Law is so male dominated. Mm. How did you carve out your niche in that space? I know, classic I question. Know. Cla- but I want to know. No, but it is, it is, and especially so, not only am I an attorney, my, for my business, when I'm the business attorney side, I'm litigation. So litigation is even more male dominated, right? Like women come in and we're called the court reporter. Right. So that's, that was my first experience actually for um, this huge, I don't want to get too technical. It's like, it's like motions for summary judgment or big motions. They can prevent you from going to trial. And it was my first year as an attorney and I walk in, I've, I've, you know, prepared so much. And the opposing counsel was probably like, I don't know, I don't want to make him too old, but let's say he's like 70, let's say a 70 year old white male. And uh, he, he called me a court reporter first. And I was like, oh, no, I'm here. I'm your opposing counsel. And he like, he didn't slap my full butt. But you know when they do like that top of the butt slap where they like pat you, like the lower back, but it's a little too low. Well, I also got a big badunkadunk. So, I mean, it's not all his fault. <laughs> but he, he, he pats my lower back and is like, well, good luck, little lady. Like, oh. <laughs> And I crushed him and it felt good. It felt but also was that little lady the fucking southern like good luck little lady? <laughs> yes. Like, oh. yes. Which actually you don't find a lot in Miami because we're very like, you know, European, Hispanic, whatever. But this guy was like an old white southern attorney from I think Bible Belt, Florida or something. I think he drove down maybe for the hearing. I've never seen him again. I'd never seen him on another case, but I crushed him and it felt amazing. And even at the end, he was like, oh, good, good job, little lady. And I was like, you can't even give me that. Like, you can't even, after I crush you, just give me some kind of respect and like just a handshake, like a normal handshake. This was all before the Me Too movement, by the way. (laughs) I can't, I can't with that type of, mm. because I've experienced that when I was working on 
um, the different political campaigns that I've worked on. So mm. um, in, in high school, I, were, I ran two counties in a big campaign year. Uh, I'm not going to say which side I was on, but it was a huge, it was a huge election. Um, I couldn't even vote. Uh, I was a female and I was underage and I was still running these counties and there were wow. old white dudes that were like, oh, well, good job. Good job, honey. And I'm like, <sighs> I just kicked ass. Like my counties went the color I needed it to. Like, leave me alone. Yeah. Oh, I just can't. But I want to hear a little bit more about like the law firm side of things. So what specifically, you said you work with business law. Do you do um, like business law for small businesses like Danny or I, or do you work with the bigger, bigger businesses and do more like the litigation stuff? So I do, I do everything. So I do all of that. I, now the thing is, since I own my own law firm, I can choose my clients. So that's like the biggest difference. I only work with people and on cases that I really like, which makes, oh, <laughs> so much of a difference day to day. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I work with, I do the, you know, the high end corporate litigation. Like I have a couple really big litigation cases right now for some bigger uh, multinational companies, especially in the, in the shipping industry. And then uh, my love though, those are, I, I love those clients. And I love those cases because they're very, very interesting, you know, from an intellectual perspective too. Uh, but I love working with the small, medium sized business owners. That's like my heart because I actually get to like talk with you and see you. And like, we feel like we're part of each other's businesses at the end of the day where we're helping, you know, each other grow. Um, but yeah, so I do it all. And that's why actually I started, it's not really a third business. It's kind of part of my second business networking Maverick, which are the e-courses. So I provided more cost-effective ways of you being able to do your contracts and learn how to form a business and register it online. Um, I did that because for small business owners, spending two to 3000 for just registration or just a contract is not as effective. So then I put together three contracts and formation step-by-step uh, -step guides for $2,000 for all four, like the templates, the contracts, the registration, everything. So it's more affordable. Um, but so, yeah, I'm always trying to figure out ways to add more value for small business owners. Cause I think you're the most underserved or you go to, I don't want to say the names of the websites, but you go to websites that I would say I litigate on. <laughs> I saw you, I saw you worded. I'm not, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to be the one who says it, but yeah. So there are other sites and I feel like they do a disservice sometimes. Um, you know, they're great for me to, to litigate on, but unfortunately that means you, you end up spending more money in the long run rather than just going to an attorney up front or something. Yeah. One of my, one of my clients is actually a trademark attorney. And so ah. I, yeah, I know quite a lot about, um, thou shalt not be named. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't, I'm not going to say name, but yes. And that's another thing is that people see it. Cause you know, obviously there's the costs that come with it that I can't, I can't do, I can't do anything about the cost. And then I try to keep my fees as reasonable as possible. But if you go on an hourly perspective, I'm very affordable, but still people see it and they're like, oh, per, per trademark. Cause I do that. I do that as well. And it's like, yeah, but that's like the minimum I could possibly do it for and still like not be losing a ton of money. Do you know what I mean? Like I still need to get paid for my experience and what I'm doing as an attorney, but I do try to provide as much education so that's why the networking maverick i always have to be careful because it's educational and i always have to put those disclaimers this is not legal advice it's for educational purposes always consult an attorney hashtag lawyered <laughs> all all that fun stuff but yeah and and that all so that became my niche serving women became my niche 
in a male dominated field. So like even my big businesses, my contacts within those groups are women. It's high powered women CEOs that I've connected with. And then they end up you know, bringing me in as their corporate counsel. So I serve as outside corporate counsel for a lot of these businesses and I'm much more affordable than the big guys down the road, you know, and I'm also more personable. And I think they like working with another female because, you, you know, even the other firms can be a little uh, old fashioned, old fashioned, let's say when dealing with high powered female CEOs. So uh, that that became my niche and that's what I focused on. And it's just more like whenever you're in any male dominated field, I think it's just having confidence in what you can do, always being the most prepared person in the room. Always, I'm always focused on killing them with kindness, you know, except for if I'm in a, in the courtroom, <laughs> you know, then I'm very serious. But, you know, just in terms of networking or dealing with people, I always try to be, we call it PMA in my family. I don't know if you, can you see that? Is it on the board? Oh yeah, it's on the board behind me. We call it positive mental attitude and PMA. So my family's always like, PMA, PMA. So that's, you just got to have the mindset to go into it. And if you're the most prepared person in the room, you're probably going to be the most confident person in the room. That doesn't mean you should be arrogant, but that's, that's kind of how you deal with it. And you just be yourself. And I've learned to be the singing lawyer. So I go to events, I speak a lot public and I, and I'll like be like, ah! like, I don't, I'm not a good singer, <laughs> but that's just my personality. And I've learned over time that the clients that I'll work best with like that personality and that's, and that's me. So so what have you found after like starting your business that you've learned about yourself? Ooh, so much. I think I always knew, I guess, that I was resilient, but I guess I never knew how resilient I would have to be and that I actually am because, you know, I think especially the, the hardest part of launching a business, in my opinion, well, I mean, I guess for any, it might be gaining the knowledge that you actually need to launch. That might be the hardest for for most people. Uh, but I think the second is just starting, getting, getting over the fear to just start. Right. And I thought that was going to be the hardest thing, <laughs> but I was wrong. <laughs> I was very wrong because when you're a small business, you're going to have some lean months, right. Or you're going to have like really bad rejections or conversations, you know, networking that don't go as well. And you start getting that self doubt that like kind of just creeps in. It's like, Hey, maybe, maybe you didn't do the right thing. Maybe you didn't make the right decision. And then you just got to be like, no, eh, shut it down. You know, like, no, you're, you're doing good. Keep going forward. But that's definitely something that I, I knew I was resilient because I had to overcome a lot when I was younger and I moved, I moved around the country 15 times. So I was always the new girl and I was always the curvy new girl, right? Cause I've been, I've been, I've been a curvy queen <laughs> since I was uh, like nine or 10 years old, like I developed really, really young. And so I had to overcome a lot of that and get through like some depression when I was younger. So I knew I was resilient, but entrepreneurship is a whole, whole new level of resiliency, honestly. So I think that's the, the most I learned. About me. <laughs> so I'm curious. Um, all three of us recording this podcast are curvy. Yes. And yes, queen. <laughs> and in social experiences, you have those awkward moments where like just last night I was at a restaurant in an airport. Tables are too fucking tight. My ass is going to end up on your table mm -hmm. when I'm going through to get to my seat. Like, sorry about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> happens all the time, all the time. And 
there's a lot of that that happens in the corporate world too that we don't talk about. And I, I want to ask your opinion on this because especially in law, there's this expectation of suits. And for women, it's like high heels, skirts, tits out kind of perception. Mm-hmm. Um, Stockings. <laughs> yeah. What's it, what's it like being curvy in that space and having things that <gasps> jiggle? I know. Oh, more than jiggle. <laughs> it's like an earthquake over here when I know. <laughs> no, it, it. So I will say because I had to deal with it so much growing up, I think that I'm much more confident now. I think that if I hadn't gone through it, like if I if I became curvy, like if I had been skinny my whole life and then became curvy now, I think it would be a lot harder to deal with than. I was made fun of. I was called chubby girl. I was called, you know, I think someone called me marshmallow because our school uniforms were white. Like there was so much, so much stuff. And I was also a white girl in Miami. So, I mean, it was like so many layers uh, of that. But then I think the best decision my mom did when I was younger was put me in modeling school. Like those, you know, like Barbizon. I was in Barbizon. (laughs) And it really gave me a lot of confidence because I, before that I was the, I forget what the movie was where I think it's Christine Ricci. Maybe she like tapes her boobs down and like wears hoodies and wants to look like a guy. Cause I played all sports. I was an all sport athlete. So I was like, so, so tomboy. And then uh, going into modeling school, I came out, I was always wearing makeup. I was always wearing my school colors and pigtails. So that made me confident as a lawyer, the thing that's different. So Miami is much more relaxed even in the courtroom setting, Miami's more relaxed, but it's when I go to like West Palm even or Tampa, cause I practice in Tampa and Jacksonville and Orlando. Those places are much, much, much more conservative. And I think it's still a rule. I have to double check. I think it's still a rule. If you go in front of the Supreme court that you, as women, you have to wear stockings and a skirt suit. I think I, I don't want to swear by that, but that in law school, I remember that was the rule. I don't know if that's changed. Um, but it's definitely finding the right looks for you. And what's funny is I just had an event on this. It was called style for success. And it was all about no matter what size you are. Cause you know, skinny people actually have a really, and I know it's like, Oh my God, skinny people have problems. They do skinny, like really, really, I'm talking really skinny people also have like clothing problems, but as a curvy girl, it's all like the materials you use. If you actually get the right line. So the women that I think have the most problems are the ones that haven't invested in actually finding uh, a stylist or finding a style that works for them or a clothing line. Like I love White House Black Market. I love Ann Taylor. I think that they make sizes that go up to, I think they go up to like 16 or 18 online. And the material is like super, super good. You know, it's got that stretch, you know, a little bit of stretch that I need, you know, like, because my waist is a little bit smaller, but my bottom is like, boom, it is like people pay for that. <laughs> and it is just like it, it, when you walk into a courtroom, you know that I'm there. <laughs> Uh, but it's definitely, it's a lot of self-confidence because you're going up against guys that do not get judged by how they look. But when you're in front of a jury, we actually have to take a course or I, I voluntarily took a course on jury selection and you get to hear what they think. And a lot of what they think about women is what they look like, whether they're a witness or, or, a um, a lawyer. And I just got married actually, uh, this past week. And before that though, if I had a, if I was in front of a jury, I would wear a wedding ring because females that didn't wear wedding rings weren't trustworthy, right? So like, if you're a female, you had, there are certain things you have to do for your client to make sure you're presenting yourself the best to the jury and the judge. So you got to know your judge, you got to know people, 
And it is a little nerve wracking because I, uh, there's still that psychological bias against curvy women where people think we're, we're like, I, don't, I forget what the wording is, but basically that we're like slobs that we just don't care and we're sloppy. And so number one, I am a mess at home. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm very messy because I'm so organized in so many other aspects, but I'm not a slob. Like I'm not dirty, but those, that does go through the back of my head where I'm like, I need to dress to make sure that the cuts look uh, tailored, that even though I'm curvy, I look very put together that, uh, you know, I, I thought about my appearance, like I put my hair in a bun or I put it back low in a bun. Like I don't, like I have long hair cause I paid for it. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave it down like that. I went Ariana Grande in a courtroom. Do you know what I mean? So there's just things that you got to know how to present yourself. And I like to say, um, when I do uh, speaking with my clients, women are like diamonds where we have many facets, right? Because a lot of what I get from business clients when they're networking is, oh, but I don't want to dress like that because that's not me. Or when I go to this, I don't want to dress like that because that's not me. Okay, but is it is it maybe this part of you? Maybe this is how you need to present yourself in this way. Like when I go to court, I'm going to have my hair in a bun. I'm going to be wearing my glasses. I'm going to be wearing a more conservative color and a more conservative suit. Maybe even a skirt suit with stockings if that's what it needs, like conservative heels. When I go to my speaking engagements, I have a gold glitter jacket <laughs> with wings that says networking maverick. I like, I'm just a completely different look, but all of them are still me. They're just different facets of the diamond and you have to know when to let each facet shine in different situations. I think what's sad though in this situation is that we literally have to think about who our crowd is to dress to. And it's not something most dudes even think about or even Ooh. like comprehend. No. no. Not even a little bit, not even. And actually, actually, they are psychologically, uh, oh my God, I forget what the study was that they did on a jury, but um, you remember To Kill a Mockingbird or any, or any of that kind of stuff where he was more personable because his shirt was a little unkept and his suit wasn't super tailored, right? But the, And so that's, those are perceptions. Guys don't even, they get rewarded for not necessarily taking so much uh, time for their appearance. Cause then if they take too much time, they're a car salesman and they're sleazy maybe or something, but so they don't have to worry about it all. They just show up as them and, and they probably wear the same suit every single day. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy, but it is just stuff that we think, I think as women, we already think about a billion things a day anyway, more than men in, in a lot of cases. So, uh, until the day comes where we're all just wearing potato sacks and <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I think this is so spot on though. I feel this all the time when I'm thinking through what I'm wearing to different client meetings or how I dress at work. I mean, I have the good fortune of working at Google, which means I wear a lot of leggings to work. Mm, nice. But like, how does that read? How does that come across? Even, even in situations where it shouldn't matter when there are guys that literally just wear their bathrobe to work. No. Even my, even my leggings can come across as like unkempt, even though the bathrobe is quirky. Or, right, like, right. You know, the like, but a then, That's a but then there's like the opposite side where like I'm in, I don't, I don't know if you guys can see, they're like dress pants with like the yeah, I have a dress pants. I love it. And I love this color like, on you, by the way. Thank you. But yeah. people are like, well, why are you so dressed up? And I'm like, right. Yes. You can't win sometimes. What? You just can't win sometimes. No, for so sure. If I, yeah. If I wore leggings, I would be a slob. If I wore 
jeans, I'm not dressed to the occasion. And now if I wear this, I'm too dressed up. So like, when will I ever win? Well, so you're, you're never going to be able to be everything to everyone all the time, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's the biggest thing I learned. You just got to be you in what you think you should present in that situation. And then uh, everyone can think what they think and you're going to have haters always. And you're going to have people that love you always. And, and that's what you got to focus on just being you because if you're trying to be someone else, then you're going to feel worse when people don't like you or whatever, you know, whatever happens. But if you're just being you and confident, like I think you look great. That color is amazing on you that I, I guess it's like a purpley violet maroon is what it looks like from here. It looks great on your skin tone. And I think, I personally think everyone needs a stylist. I have a stylist now and a branding specialist for my business and everything that really helps with like my color. I'm not wearing it now because this wasn't, (laughs) I'm not wearing my colors, anything now, but um, I think that that really helps. And I've always decided that I'm always going to be the most extra in any room really, except for maybe the courtroom. So I always show up as too much. And that's kind of my thing. Like, oh my God, Lauren's so extra. Yes, I am queen because we're queens. Do queens uh, just like sit in the corner? No, we stand out. This is our queendom. Everyone come into our queendom. You got a queendom? Great. We can all rise up. So I've just, you're never going to satisfy all the haters. So just be yourself and be extra. (laughs) I think you freaking nailed it. I think that this is so good. So before we wrap up, I want to ask, you've talked a lot about things that we can do to take up and hold the space that we're meant to, to take. And a lot of that has been appearance focused. Is there any way in what you learned through presence and in the courtroom that we can also do that with our voices? Definitely. Definitely. So I actually think, uh, I always, I think my three pillars of networking Maverick are really like mindset, motivation, education, right? If you don't have the right mindset, you're not going to come across in any way, whether it's appearance, voice, anything. Uh, but then if you are the most prepared person in the room, I think preparation mindset will give you so much confidence going in. And if you carry yourself with confidence, you project yourself with confidence. I think that comes across. I think when you talk with people, it's very important. Something I had to learn was to talk slower a little bit. Cause sometimes when you talk too fast, it can come across as like, Oh, whoa, she's a lot. She's too much. And I'm already loud. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to pick one or the other. So I chose to really uh, try to slow down and think about what I'm saying and what the other person is saying. I think that makes a very, very big difference. Being a listener, being someone that, that takes the time to really look at the person, who you're talking to, whether it's at an event or in the courtroom, I think it matters. I think the best thing I did was do improv. I don't know if you guys have ever taken an improv class, but if you have a local, like we have one down the street, my friend is doing it because she's going to be an MC at an upcoming event. And I was like, yes, improv, the best thing, the best decision you can make because it's going to give you, sorry, the confidence to change on the fly, to deal with anything that comes up in a conversation, anything that could come up in court with opposing counsel. It gets you to think on your feet. And so you're already so prepared that you should be able to throw in anything you need. The improv gives you the confidence to be able to pivot in all those directions. So I think that that is something practicing in a mirror, I think helps too. If you can't afford an improv class, I think just practicing with a mirror or practicing like my husband and I practice interview sometimes or we'll practice, like if I'm gonna speak in an event, I'll be like, how does this come across? How does this joke come across? Because I don't want it, you know, the translation (laughs) from my mouth to your ears might not uh, come across as I want it. So practicing in the mirror, practicing with people, improv, all those are ways to work on your 
I would, I would call it all your presentation, your presentation of yourself, whether it's how you dress or how you speak. So I have one, one last question about speaking. How do you, and how do you suggest if a woman is speaking and a man starts to speak over her, how do you take charge of that situation? Or do you have any suggestions for taking charge of a situation like that? Ooh, that's a good one. So my typical lawyer answer, it depends. <laughs> it always depends. Uh, so I would say how I would address that at like a networking event is very different than how I would address it in like a mediation or in court. Because in court, there's actually a rule where they're not supposed to talk over you. Um, so what I would do is if they start talking, what I have learned to do is pause. I let them finish. And then I don't address them. I address the judge. And I say, Your Honor, it is my time to be speaking. We will listen to opposing counsel when it's their turn. Can you please make sure that they abide by the decorum of the courtroom? And that usually gets them to, right? Because then they feel like an idiot. Like, I let them finish. You finish. You want, oh, you, okay. You think you, oh, go. Now I'm going to make you look like an idiot. Thank you. Like you're not abiding by the rules. How I would do it in a mediation. So it's all about, in my opinion, you don't want to come off like a B-I-T-C-H sometimes, right? You don't want to come off like, oh man, she's so aggressive. Sometimes I do want to come off like that. And if I do want to come off like that, what I will do is I will, again, let them finish. And then I will say, sir, I have let you say your piece. Now I would let you say my piece and we will get out of here a lot. And I do it in front of their clients, by the way, and we will get out of here a lot quicker and we will cost our clients a lot less money if we give each other the respect we deserve. Ooh, oh, money on oh, it. Oh, 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 right. Yeah. So those are, those are like my lawyer ways. At a networking event, it's so much different, right? Because you just, you're in a group, maybe you don't even know that person. So if they interrupt me, I just, honestly, I let them interrupt me. I just let them interrupt me. And then I'm such a, I'm already such a presence, in my opinion, that it's not going to prevent me from still moving forward. And people say, Lauren, why did you go back to the point you were saying? I'm like, well, because I was speaking and this person interrupted me. And I'll say, oh, my God. You know, I don't know, Gary, let's just say Gary. Oh, my God, Gary, that's so funny because I, I was just about to say blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, if it relates back to what I was saying or, or you know, I'll let him finish. We'll have a discussion. And then I'll be like, oh, my God. So I totally forgot what I was saying was blah, 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 blah. So like, I'll just bring it back. If it's a point I really, really want to make, there are some times where it's just like, it's not worth, worth it. I think it actually makes them look worse when they interrupt us more. If you just stay pleasant and nice, it's like, wow, Lauren, Lauren's a, a cool person. She doesn't cause a scene. She, you know, she wants to get along with people, which I do. Like I genuinely do just want to connect and bond. That person probably isn't going to like me very much anyway. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not going to try to be rude to them. Now, there are times when the interruption is purposeful, right? And there have been very few, very, very tiny situations where I know the person was coming at me, where they purposely were just trying to cut me out. And then I have probably not reacted the best. <laughs> uh, because, you know, that, that gets me where like, if they've interrupted me a couple times, and they're like, they start edging you out of the circle, you know? that thing. And, and what I will just say, I'll, I'll look kind of at the group and I'll look at if I, if I know anyone, I kind of make eye contact. And usually men will be the one that say, Hey, uh, Lauren, what, what was it you were saying again? Or like, they'll bring me back in. And, and that's kind of what I do. Or if not, I'll be like, excuse me. I'm like, Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm still here. Like sometimes I'll be like, Oh, whoops. I, I think you got, I think you got my shoe. Oh, Oh, Oh no, no, no. You're fine. You're good. Oh, good. Excellent. Like there's, there's little things like that, but 
I just think it's better not to cause huge confrontation at networking events. That's just me. That's how, that's how I handle it. But I think just being comfortable in yourself, being a presence, being confident, I think that comes across better. And people actually come back to me. They'll be like, Lauren, what was it you were saying? If you're just, just you and confident, I would say. So yeah, the oh. ones are different. <laughs> yeah, no, those were such like so great to hear like how you have, I don't know, how you approach the situation because I don't know. I feel like sometimes it's such a hard situation to address that it just feels like, oh, I just want to like shrink up. Um, yeah. And you can't anyways, do that. Don't do that. Right. That's the thing. Do that. Like yeah. don't do, don't shrink because you're still amazing and people still like, you're still valid and you're still valuable just because someone is being like that and they might not even be doing it on purpose. That is just who they are. And so you just got to accept people for who they are and know, Hey, I'm a queen. I got this. I'm here. And like, if these people want to still talk to me, we're going to get back to what I was saying, or we're still going to keep talking. It's not, it's not a huge deal. Don't shrink though, because you're a queen, right? You rule, you got that crown, keep that crown high. And yes. that's what I think about. Well, I think that our, or our crowd is going to love this episode. Thank you so much, Lauren. <laughs> you're and welcome. as we wrap up, we want to know where can we find you on social and the interwebs? Great. Yeah. I mean, I would love to connect with everyone on here. You can find me on Instagram at networkingmaverick.com at networkingmaverick. You can go to my website, which is www.networkingmaverick.com. And I have a bunch of freebies on there for you. Whether you want to learn how to turn your network into net worth with my top five tips, I've got that freebie on there. It's called the Networking Maverick Pocket Guide. So you can take it with you. And then I have an Instagram growth guide on there as well, which are my tools and tips for growing your following and your presence and your branding. And then my last one and newest one is the seven steps to startup success, the queenpreneurs checklist. So that's going to be on there too. It's all on networkingmaverick.com. 